Good afternoon, everyone. Shall we all rise as we worship God in spirit and truth?
praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There's no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing. There's no one like our God. We will praise you. Praise you, there's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing, there's no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you, there's no one like our God. We will sing, we will sing, there's no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you, there's no one there's no one like our God. There's no one like our God. We will praise you, praise you. There's no one like our God. We will sing. Lord of all the earth, we shout your name, shout your name, filling up the sky. Lord of all, Lord of all the earth, we'll shout your name, shout your name, filling up the skies with endless praise, endless praise, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name. Romans 11.36 it says for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever and amen what a thought that God even gives us what we need to praise him amen and we thank you God for the breath to praise for the heart to engage and the heart to love you Father it says here in the next song, the chorus says, It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour our praise. We pour our praise. Amen. So even if you don't feel like worshiping God, may this be a motivation to praise Him no matter what. So we pour out of 
It's your bread. It's your bread in our lungs. So we pour out a praise. We pour out a praise. It's your bread in our lungs. So we pour out a praise to you. Oh, it's your bread. It's your bread.
again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus. It has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus. You have
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the family of God. Thank you for the honor of serving the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to share with you 2 Corinthians 5.14 as we prepare our hearts to, to give to the work of the ministry. Amen. It says, for the love of Christ constrains us, which is me and you, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. So there's two words here I want to highlight. Constrains us. What that means. 
Um, here we go. Constrain means compel or force someone to follow a particular course of action. So the love of God, what? It's a driving force that compels us, drive us to a course of action. So going to the second word, because we thus judge, we are judged. But many times this word needs to be a little bit sometimes clarified in this context. It says judge, which is a person able or qualified to give an opinion on something. So he said we are qualified to give an opinion on something. And also, uh, judge means form an opinion or a conclusion about. So let's go back to the verse. For the for, uh, love of God constrains us, drives us to do something because we have the qualification to, to make that judgment, which is to give an opinion on something. What is this opinion? Let's continue. That, that's what we're thinking about. If one died for all, which is Jesus. If Jesus died for all, not only us in the church, for all humanity, then we are all dead. Okay, so let's see here. What is Jesus died for? He died to his own will. He is on Gethsemane. He said, not my will, but your will. He was man like us, tested with everything, but he chose to die for his own will. And he died so to bring many sons to glory. So we say here, if one died for all, then we are all dead. We are born again. We are like him. We are dead to our own will, and our desire is his desires to bring many sons to glory. Amen? That's what we are, the believers. Hallelujah. So um, we said, what is God's will? That the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the uttermost part of the earth, then the end come. That's what we're looking for, to reign with him throughout eternity. Amen? What is God's will? That many sons Many sons would come to glory through Jesus' finished work. He did it, but we need to participate. The love of God pushed us, give us a force to do what we need to do, that to die to our own will and favor the gospel. Amen? So I believe the love of God, which is in me, is in you, and he compels you uh, also today. You favor God's righteous cause. Amen? Many sons come to glory. You honor his blood that we have been singing and honoring here that was just to bring his harvest of souls into the kingdom. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So I invite you today to the honor the Lord Jesus and to give to the ministry from the Lord's ministry house here today. And I think I missed something here. I put my thoughts in because for a reason. Um, to fulfill his desire. The, in 19, February 11, 1997, the Lord visited us, me and uh, Pastor Ian, and gave us a vision, which you see it in the globe if you go to the website or somewhere here on the screen. And it's just not an incident. It is a mission to take the gospel from the Lord's Ministry House. We are happen to be located in Hamilton, but it's his vision to the uttermost part of the earth. So the gospel and the knowledge of righteousness and who he is and his purposes will be transmitted throughout the world. So uh, there's many ways to give. 
if you are on location, please raise your hand and somebody will give you an envelope to give. And our friends online, we're invited to participate with your heart, whatever the Lord put on your heart. And there's many ways. You can e-transfer in Canada. You can go to the website, press give. You can text TLMHCA to 77977. Many ways. Give us a call if one of these aspects will not suit you. We are here to help you participate in spreading the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. So as you prepare your gift here, Pastor Ian, can you join me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your people, Praise your you faithful Lord. people. Thank you for your goodness toward us, giving us this precious family Praise here and on our line. And thank you, Lord God, their hearts pounds for their desires. We give you thanks for the seed sown, and we pray according to your word that as they are the sowers, you are the one who gives seed to the sower, and you increase the fruit of their righteousness. Praise Hallelujah. You, and Father, we thank you for everyone, everyone that participate in giving. They are giving through the Lord's ministry house, but they are giving to you. They are giving into the gospel. And Father, your word tells us that when we participate and when we partner with you in this gospel, that there is something supernatural that happens. You release all manner of grace to abound towards us. In whatever area, in whatever dimension, wherever it might be. It may not only be financially, but it might be in other arenas. You will cause all manner of grace to abound. And you will meet all our needs. So we thank you right now that there is a release of grace and supply and provision in various dimensions and in various arenas. Even as we release our faith in giving. Lord, we bless you, we praise you, we worship you. And we'll thank you for your anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage, break every yoke of lack and insufficiency, and causes the river of your life of provisions and blessings to flow. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Let's just stand for a moment as we believe God for his help, the help of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. The Word of God says there is an anointing that teaches us all things. And even as he had taught us, we shall abide in the truth. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. So we thank you, Spirit of the living God, for opening up our ears, opening up our eyes, giving us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the name of Jesus, so that we are able to comprehend those things that you want to reveal unto us, but grant grace that we might walk in them, that we might walk them out in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we say so. Amen. We are the redeemed of the Lord. He has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Bless his name forevermore. Now we're continuing on this series. Your advancement and success strategy in general but especially for this year. Today it's part four. 
And it's going to be about the application of God's word so that you could come up higher in your spiritual life. Amen? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, which has been the scripture that has been the text for this entire teaching, John says, after these things I looked and behold there was a door. Say a door. A door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here, come up higher, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Come up here, come up higher, and I will show you things. I will show you things. Come up here. Where is he speaking from? He is speaking from this place. Behold a door standing open in heaven. Amen? Now, let me do just a very quick recap that has, uh, as to, that has brought us to this point. I'm pretty well going to just read my notes so as not to get off track, not to rabbit trail, and to do this precisely and as, and as briefly as I can. All right. Now, what is the Lord saying to you? What is he saying to me? What is he saying to us? That you are to come up higher, both in general but also in specific areas of your Christian life. Be it your prayer life, your word life, your intimacy with God, your giving, your prosperity, the financial arena, your relationships, wherever. He's calling us to come up higher. And as you do, you will go through a door a door that no man can close. Now, doors speak to going from one season to another season. From one realm to another realm. When doors open, you can transition to another level. You can trans transition to the next level. Amen? All right, so as you come up higher in certain specific areas, what will happen? You will function in a higher dimension of God. You will function in a higher dimension of God. In him we live and move and have our being. God is so infinite. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable is his wisdom and his ways past finding out. It means it's going to mean coming up higher, in, in, in higher dimensions of the kingdom of God. Now, this all translates into your advancement. Advancing and succeeding in general, but also in those specific areas. Amen? Now, whatever area that you are endeavoring to come up higher, it means advancement. Whatever area you need to come up higher, now hear this, whatever that area might be, number one, it is necessary for you to function from who you are in Christ. Whatever area you need to come up higher, it is necessary 
for the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that love of God, that reverence for God, to be the place that you're operating from. It would keep your motives pure for one thing. And it is necessary for number three, for you to be disciplined and diligent. You're not going to come up higher in any particular area, whether it be prayer or this or that, having made your plan as to how you're going to do so if you don't be disciplined and if you're not diligent about it. Amen? And then also, too, you must apply the wisdom that the Spirit of God gives to you, the how-to, the steps, what are you to do. Amen? All right. Now, we have talked about the issue of discipline and diligence, we have talked about the wisdom of God that reveals to you the steps that you need to take. And we've also talked about the fact that you need to function from the life of Christ, who you really are in Christ. You are not who you used to be. You are a new creation. That old person died and was buried with Christ. And the person that you know are the life that you now live, it is the life of Christ. And you live it by the faith of the Son of God. As Jesus is, so are you. Now, that's a very important identification that we must know and that we must grow into. And we also talked about the fear of the Lord. All right. Now, last week, the focus was on coming up higher in the realm of prayer, in your prayer life. Today, we are going to be talking about what? Coming up higher in your spiritual life. How? By coming up higher in the word. And in the application of the word of God. The end result is going to be advancement and success. Amen? Are we ready? All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, the word of God is so awesome and the word of God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God without that word there was nothing made that was made the word of God God upholds all things by the word of his power any and every area of your life can come up higher by the application of the word of God Every single, any area that you need to come up higher, the word of God and its application is a necessary ingredient. Let's put it that way. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses instructing the children of Israel said, These are the commandments, the word which the Lord commanded to teach you and that you might do them. That you might do them in the land in which he is placing you. So that you might prosper in whatever you do. Well, we are in a land. We are in a new land. We are in the kingdom of God. And, the, and, and, and as we get a hold of the word of God and apply the word of God, we are going to prosper in the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, that realm of God, that place where God is in control, is an awesome realm. The kingdom of God 
It says in Psalms 103 and verse 19, rules over all. The kingdom of God rules over sickness and disease and poverty and lack and curse and confusion. The kingdom of God rules over all the works of the enemy. So get a hold of this reality. The application of the word of God will cause you to come up higher and to prosper in the kingdom of God, which would mean prosper in whatever you do. The application of the word of God. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 4 verse 4, Men shall not live but by bread alone, but that men shall live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. The words that proceed out of the mouth of God can cause men to live, to have life, have it more abundantly in every arena. Hallelujah. Jesus said that when I went to the cross and I died and I paid the price and I was resurrected and I did all that I did and you were born again, you were made free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Every born again child of God has absolute, total, perfect and complete freedom and liberty in their spirit. You've been made free indeed. Now, what you're going to experience in your life is going to be determined by what? Jesus said, if you continue in my word and you know the word and you do the word and you apply the word, then you're going to be free. When you know the word, when you know the word and you apply the word, the word will make you free. So all of that liberty that we have in our spirit can become experiential by the knowledge and the application of the word of God. Amen. In James chapter 1 verse 22 to 25, you can look it up. But James was saying, look here. Don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Be a doer of the word. And then he went on to say in verse 25 that a man is like a, a man that looks into the mirror of the word of God. Let me, let me turn to it and just dissect it just a little bit. Amen? So James chapter 1 verse 22, he said, um, If you be doers of the word and not hearers only, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Verse 25. Now listen closely. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God. The word has the power to produce liberty. The word is alive and powerful. The word has power to penetrate to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and every segment, every aspect of your life in any area. So he says, if you would look, look, gaze, and keep on looking into that perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continue. Don't stop. Continue. Don't stop. Continue. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So James says, he who looks into this word, this which is the perfect law of liberty, and continues, continues. What happened? And he's not a forgetful hero. He doesn't forget what it is he sees in the mirror of the word of God. He doesn't forget it, but he's a doer of it. He is bound to it. He remains tied to it. What happens? 
He will be blessed in whatever he does. He will be blessed and he will be empowered to have good success in what he does. In other words, then you see, we may hear a word, we may see a scripture, we will understand this, what the word of God says. But then when the problems come, when challenges come, we forget what we saw and we, and we become affected by something else. Well, Joe James, James says that's not how it works. He says if you would get a hold of the word, look at the word. That word is the perfect law of liberty. And don't let it go. Don't let the enemy push you off of it. Don't let tests and trials and tribulation and offense and persecution or experiences or history or nothing. Don't let anything get you off of it. If you will do that, you will prosper in whatever you do. Whatever. What is whatever? Whatever is whatever in whatever arena. Amen? In Psalms chapter 1, it says, You will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth fruit in its season. And whatever you do will what? Prosper. What am I saying? I am saying that the knowledge and the application of the word of God will cause you to come up higher and to prosper and to advance in any area of your life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 47, write it down, check it out later. But it says, look, it's not a vain thing. It's not a waste of your time to be letting the word come into your eyes and come into your ears and to have it upon your doorpost and to have it upon your mirror and to speak about it in the morning, speak about it in the afternoon, talk about it when you're lying down. It's not a waste of your time to continually apply yourself to the word of God. It is not a vain thing. Because it is your life. That word is your life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now why does it work? Why is the word so awesome? Well, number one, God himself backs up the word. He watches over that word to perform it. God is a God of integrity. Amen? He's, he cannot lie. He, what, he, he magnifies his word above everything else. He is, he, he, he is bound to his word. His word cannot return void. But it accomplishes what he pleases. And it prospers in the thing whereunto it is sent. The word of God is the most solid foundation that exists. 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 56 says, The word of God, there was not one word, not one promise. Not one thing that God had promised that has failed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now understand this. By the power of the Holy Ghost, capture what the word of God is. It's not just some ink and paper. This word of God is supernatural. God and his word are one. Man, I give you the word of God. I speak the word of God. There is a release of God himself. God and his word are one. The word is supernatural. The word is powerful. It is alive. The scripture says in, in Hebrews 4 verse 13, everything is naked and defenseless, defenseless before that word. It must bow to that word. The word is incorruptible. The word is eternal. The word is like a hammer. The word is like a fire. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are talking about the application of the word of God so that you could come up higher. Higher in your spiritual life, but quite frankly, higher in any area. 
Amen? Now, what does coming up higher in your spiritual life look like? And you got to dare. You have to dare to envision. You got to dare to see. You got to dare to believe. But what does your spiritual life look like? <laughs> what, <laughs> what would your spiritual life look like if your spiritual life was not your life, but it was the life of Christ? I just heard that. I thought it's pretty good. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Amen. But what would your spiritual life look like if your spiritual life was not your life, the life you have known, but your spiritual life was the life of Christ? That's exactly what we're talking about. What would your spiritual life look like if Jesus could absolutely take over your life and live your life in you, live your life for you, live your life through you, what would your life look like? What would, your, what would your thoughts look like? His thoughts would become your thoughts. The way he believes is the way you would believe. His attitude would become your attitude. The way he talks would be the way you talk. The way he acts, he walks in love, he walks in truth, he walks in light. That will be your walk. In other words, what would happen? 1 John 4, 17 says, as Jesus is, so are you in this world. Well, as Jesus is, that's how you are in your spirit. But as Jesus is, so you would become in your experience and in your walk and in your talk and in your life and in your conversation. Are you with me? Now, the word of God is to be applied to accomplish exactly that. And after all, the word is Christ. He is the word made flesh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As Jesus walked, so you and I are to walk. If we say we abide in him, we ought to walk as he walked. Now, this actually, you know, this is the reason I say, man, stretch your imagination and see this. See that it is not your life, but it is his life living your life. Him living in you and him living through you. You are dead and your life is here with Christ in God. Galatians 2.20 Know ye not that of many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death and you were buried with him by baptism. And like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, you too were raised up, raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. You too were made to sit together in the place of ascension. Therefore, you ought to live as one that has been raised up. You ought to live in the glory of God. Being, being buried with him by baptism, that you ought to live unto righteousness. You ought to live unto that oneness. The point of matter is this. The very essence and objective of the gospel to start with. The objective of the gospel is that Christ might live in you and through you. Galatians 1.24 says that God might be glorified in you. In Ephesians it says that your life will be to the praise and the glory of God. Isaiah calls it, he says, you're going to be the trees of righteousness. And that righteousness speaks about oneness. I in him, him in me, you in him, that we might be one in him. He is divine, we are the branches. The fruit come off of the branch, but it's the life and sap that is in the vine. 
He that sanctified and they that are sanctified are one. He is the head and we are the body. That's righteousness, oneness. Isaiah said that we are trees of righteousness. And we are to increase in the fruits of righteousness. Fruits that looks like the kind of vine. Fruits that looks like Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the objective of the gospel. That we would be epistles of Christ to be led of, read of all men. You see, this is serious. This is not, this is not just about goose pimples. Amen? You and I are to be the extension of him in the earth. I know we have our own individual personalities and that's okay. God chose it that, has chosen it that way. But at the end of the day, with whatever personality you have, you are to be a manifestation of, 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 of certain dimensions of God himself. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, this is why Paul calls it a high calling. Pressing to the mark for the prize of the high calling. Come up here. The high calling of God in Christ. So, like as I said, if Christ is living in you and living through you, and he can take over your life, where Colossians 3 verse 3 says, you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. If we can live in that reality and the more and more that becomes our reality, his thinking becomes your thinking. His believing becomes your believing. His attitude becomes your attitude. His, 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 speaking, become, his speaking becomes your speaking. His actions become your actions. Now that is what the scripture calls your conversation. Your conversation. Say conversation. Your thinking, your believing, your attitude, your speaking and your actions. That is what your conversation is. And there are several scriptures about that regarding your conversation. But now what happened is, you and I, we tend to think of our conversation in the context of our speaking. Well, there is an element of our conversation that is just what people see and hear. And for that reason, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 to Timothy, look, don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't let them judge you based on your youth. And all of that stuff. Don't, don't, don't let that kind of, He said, but be an example. Be a leader. Be an example of the believers. In word and in purity. And then he says, and in conversation. In conversation. Now, on one level, Paul was saying. And because what are people going to see? They can't see your thinking. They can't know exactly your believing. And sometimes, sometimes they see your attitude. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> all right. But primarily, they are going to see your actions. And they're going to hear your words. So, so, so Paul was saying there and in other places about your conversation. Yes, it is speaking about what people see. It is speaking about your words. It is speaking about what you say. It is speaking about your actions. But ultimately it's greater. Because God sees your thoughts. God sees your, 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 your believing. God knows whether, you know, he said these people worship me in vain. Right? They're, 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 they're worshiping me with their mouths. Not, not here, not us. But, they, they're, but they're, 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 they're lips, but their heart is for me. God sees that. So where God is concerned, your conversation, it is your thinking. Let this mind be new, which was also in Christ. God desired truth in the innermost parts. Where God is concerned, your conversation is your thinking. It is your believing, and it is your attitude. <laughs> 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Put away the murmuring. Nobody can, murmuring is under your breath. But is murmuring a bad attitude? <laughs> does God see that? Does God hear it? Does God see our thoughts? Does God hear it? Of course he does. So here's what, in other words, let's lift this thing up. Your conversation is your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, and your actions. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, God said, now listen to this promise. God said this in Psalms 50 verse 23. He says to him that orders his conversation, all right, I will show the salvation of God. In other words, to him that orders. Now, listen to the word orders. Now, I've ne- I don't know if any of you have been in the military. I wasn't exactly in the military, but I had a little paramilitary experience. But order, left, right, uh, go, turn, left. It's an order. It's not an option. So to him, what? Orders. Orders is thinking. Orders is believing. Orders is attitude. Orders is speaking. Orders is action correctly. God says, I am going to show, I'm going to demonstrate, I'm going to manifest salvation. Now, salvation is being born again, but salvation, soteria, is healing, it's deliverance, it's wholeness, it's preservation, it's prosperity, it's divine protection, it's divine, it's all of that. It's the blessings of the Lord. So God says, when your conversation is lined up with the word, when you order it aright, you're thinking, you're believing, you're speaking, your attitudes and your actions. God says, watch out. I'm going to demonstrate now. I'm going to demonstrate salvation. Hallelujah. I'm going to make your enemies to be your, be your footstool. Why? Because when a man ways please the Lord, he will make his enemies his footstool. Luke chapter 1 verse 5, verse 4 to 5 says, God says, I will fulfill I will fulfill what has been spoken to you. In another place, Proverbs 10, 24, he says, the desires of the righteous shall be what? Granted. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Man, is your conversation important? Now, this is not superficial um, um, Christianity. Because we, we, we're talking about your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitude. Man, hey, to, to talk about all of that, you've got to be talking about transformation. We are talking transformation. But you see, the word of God has the power of transformation. I wasn't going to go there, but let me back up to, to James chapter 1, verse 25 again. You see, in James chapter 1, 25, when James was talking 22, don't be just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, and, and um, lest you deceive yourself. And then he goes on to say, if any man is a hearer of the word, but not a doer, a doer, of, a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, because he observes himself, he goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was, what he saw in the mirror. But, say but, he who looks into that perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, now watch this now, but a doer of the work. It didn't say a doer of the word. It includes a doer of the word. But why did he say a doer of the work? Why did he say the doer of the work? That man will be blessed in all he did. Because that work we are talking about is the work of transformation. It's the work of transformation. To move you from a caterpillar to a butterfly. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Amen. Transformation. All right. So when we're talking, thinking, believing, speaking, we are talking about transformation. And it is the word of God that has the power to produce that. And God promises that as you do that, he says, I'm going to, he says, just step aside and watch me work. I'm going to take care of the rest of it. I'll take it from here. <laughs> I'm going to do the demonstration. I'm going to cause it to happen. I'm going to make, I'm going to make, I'm going to make. Glory to God. So here then is what your spiritual life looks like. The spiritual life as you come up higher. Well, I shouldn't say this. This is what it needs to look like. You know what it needs to look like? Christ himself. Christ himself. Christ himself. Jesus said in John 14 verse 9, If you see me, you see the Father. Well, that, how, that is how it has to become for us. That when they see you, they see Jesus. That as he is, so are we. We need to become the epistles of Christ. Paul said that I might apprehend that for which God has apprehended me. Why did he get a hold of you? Well, he wants you for himself, but he wants you to be the literal manifestation and the demonstration of him in the earth. Your very life is to be a witness, not just what you say. Thank God for that. But you witnessing for him is not only your speaking and your action, it is your very life is to be a witness. Man, they will recognize, oh man, whoa, whoa, must have been with Jesus. They will recognize that there is no way you could be like that except it is God. So now God is glorified in you. Are you with me? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So what does this life need, this, this spiritual life needs to look like? It needs to look like Christ himself. You know the scripture says that we should not compare ourselves among ourselves? Don't do that. Because somebody else is not your standard. Jesus is your standard. Are you with me? Yeah. And until we get there, we're going to keep pressing for that mark. I will be satisfied, Psalm 17 verse 15. I'm going to be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. Until then, nothing is good enough. I will not be satisfied. I will count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of him. So what does this life look like? It's to look like Jesus, Christ himself. It is to look like the real you. The real you. That new creation that did not exist before. That new species of being. That new species of being that has divinity living inside of your humanity. I'm going to say that again. This, is, this didn't exist before. It's a new creation. It's a new species. I know we could talk about Adam. But this is not even Adam. This is after the second Adam. This is divinity living inside your humanity. Jesus was the, Jesus was the word made flesh. We beheld his glory we beheld him full of glory and truth. He had all of that divinity, but it was wrapped up in flesh. Well, so are you. As he is, so are you. You've got divinity inside your humanity. 
Amen? So we are to be what? What does it look like? It looks like the real you. Well, what does the real you look like? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24 says, Strip off, strip off the old man with his conversation. That old man, the way he used to think, believe, speak, his attitudes and his actions, his grumbling and his murmuring and his talking wrong, put him off, strip him off. Strip him off the way you strip a piece of furniture. Sometimes it doesn't strip easy. You got to sandblast it. You got to sand it. You got to use some fire need, need be. Well, strip him off. That's what the Bible says. Strip him off. And then what else? And put on. The, no, and then it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That attitude. And, verse 24, and put on. Put on. Glory to God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Put on the new man who after God is created in righteousness and holiness. Put him on. Put on that new man that is created in righteousness. Oneness with God. Having the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being in right standing with God. That can stand in the presence of God as if sin never existed. Free from guilt and shame and condemnation and insecurity and inferiority. Put on that new man created in righteousness. That knows what his rights and his authority is. Knows what belongs to him. Because he's an heir of God and he's a joint heir with Christ. And all of these promises are yes and amen. Put him on. And put on the new man created in righteousness and holiness. You have been sanctified by the blood and by the word of the living God. And by the spirit of God. You are not your own. You are separated unto God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's, the, that's, that, that's, that's it. Put be, that's who you need to be. That new man. That's who you need to be. Christ himself. That new man. Jesus was made to be sin. He's been made the righteousness of God in Christ. New creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, how are we going to get there? <laughs> how are you to live? How are you to walk? How are you to think and to talk and to believe and to speak? What? <laughs> Let's put it this way. Now, what defines and guides this spiritual life and conversation? What defines it and what guides it? Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Remember conversation, say conversation. All right? <laughs> I guess you know conversation is more than just what you speak. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. Now, old King James calls it conversation. New King James calls it citizenship. But anyway... I am old timer, so I'm going to go with old King James, all right? Is that okay? It says, our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our conversation is in heaven. So what is to define your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, and your action is heaven. It needs to be according to heaven. It needs to be according to heaven. Now, don't just think about the planet heaven. Think about that. Think about that realm. That realm in which you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Think about that realm. Psalms 119, verse 8 and 9. Where the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Think about that realm where it is 
finished. So, what is it saying? Your conversation, your thinking, your believing, your speaking needs to be in line and in harmony with what is finished, with the word that is settled in heaven, the way it is in heaven, and that's how it could be that way on earth. That's how it works. You know, the Lord said to me one time about Psalms 119.89, and it was very simple. It wasn't sophisticated, but it was very simple. With Psalms 119 verse 89 that says his word is forever settled in heaven. And so he said to me, it's up to me to settle it on earth. That person that is born again that might be having a lot of difficulty, that might be struggling, that whether it be infirmities or this or that or whatever, the fact of the matter is that word of God concerning their life is already settled in heaven. But now it's up to them to do what we're talking about, mix it with faith and cause it to be settled on earth. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. That a promise being left unto them. It did not profit them. It did not benefit them. Because it was not mixed with faith. Amen. It's settled. It's done. It is finished. But it's got to be mixed with faith. So let your conversation be according to heaven. According as it is finished. According to what Jesus has finished. And then also to Psalms 127, so, sorry, Philippians 1 verse 27, which says, only, now here we go again, New King James, but I like what? I'm old timer. New King James says, but let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. Old King James says, let your conversation, matter of fact, Old King James says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. <laughs> let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. In other words, let your conversation be consistent and in harmony with the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? Well, on one level, well, yeah, let me put it right here first. The gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 that when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, what for? To reveal his son in me and that I might preach him among the Gentiles. To reveal his son in me and that I might preach that son revealed in me among the Gentiles. Paul, I thought you're supposed to preach the gospel. Are you trying to confuse me? You're supposed to preach the gospel. Now you're telling me that you are to preach him that is in you. That God wants to reveal Christ in you. And then you are to preach Christ revealed in you. Paul says that's exactly what the gospel is. It's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Amen. What makes Christianity different to anything else and I don't even want to call Christianity a religion is the fact that God lives inside of you that's what makes it different and so if we do not if we are not awake and conscious to that reality of Christ in you then you don't have Christianity you've got something else amen so it is saying let your let your conversation you're thinking, you're believing, you're speaking, your attitudes, your actions. Let it be consistent and worthy 
of Christ living inside of you. Mm. Think about that for a moment. Let your conversation be worthy of the fact that Christ is living inside of you. Man, that could affect your thinking. That could affect your believing. That could affect your speaking. That could affect your actions. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let it be according to the gospel. What else is the gospel? Christ in you, yes. And Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's another. Uh, okay. <laughs> what else is the gospel? Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. What is he talking about? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 says, The preaching of the cross to them that perish, foolishness. But to us who are saved, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. So Romans 1 16 says, the gospel is the power of God. Well, the gospel is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is the power of God. So the gospel must be the preaching of the cross. Is that reasonable? So the gospel is what? Good news. What good news? Jesus died. He was buried. He was resurrected. He shed his blood. He ascended to the Father's right hand. And all authority and power has been given unto him. And that power and authority is in his name. That's the gospel. That's good news. So the gospel is the sacrifice of Christ. So it says then, let your conversation be worthy and in harmony with the sacrifice. Not only what Jesus did, but if I could just inject this here. Not just what he did for you, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, shedding his blood. But also what he did with you. What did he do with you? God placed you in Christ when he was on that cross. By the faith of the operation of God, Colossians 2 verse 12. God placed you, know you not? That when you were baptized into Christ, what else? What happened? You were baptized into his death. And you were buried with him. What for? To put an end to you. <laughs> and when he was resurrected, you were resurrected. You were raised up together with him. When he ascended to the Father's right hand, you ascended to the Father's right hand. And you were made to sit together with him in heavenly places. His blood that was shed has washed you, cleansed you, made you righteous. Give you access to all of the covenant. And coming out of all of that, guess what? You've now got his name. The life that you now live is the life of Christ. you got his life. And you've got the word and the promises. All the word and all of the promises are yes and amen. They belong to you because you are joined here with Christ and the heir of God. So for me to live and have my conversation, my thinking, my believing, my speaking, my attitudes and my actions to be worthy and to be consistent with the sacrifice, it means I got to operate according to what Jesus did but also according to what he did with me. It's not me here. He's, this the old guy died and buried. Old things have passed away. Forget it. Forget those former things. The life that I now live is the life of Christ. I've been raised up together with him. I function from the place of ascension. So do you. Where is that? Far. Far above principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every other name. And I've been washed by the blood. We are justified by faith in that blood. We sang about it. 
That blood declares that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. The life you now live is the life of Christ. It's no longer you that live. The power and authority of that name is yours. So you are to live. All those promises are yours. Whatever we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. What are we talking about here? We are talking about letting your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitude be consistent. And even in honor to the sacrifice. That means I gotta, I, I mean, I, I might be dealing with an infirmity in the natural. But I gotta look at that infirmity and I gotta, dec- I gotta operate as who I am. I have a common, intimate union and participation in everything that Jesus did. Communion. He died, I died. He was buried, I was buried. He was resurrected, I was resurrected. He ascended, I ascended too. Common union. Common union. Many are sick and many are weak and many die early. Why? They're not not discerning the Lord's body. Not recognizing what was done. What this cup means. What this blood means. And what this bread means. And because of that, some are weak, some are sick, some die early. You've got a common union. So now, when you understand these things, what does it say? Let your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your action, your conversation, and your conduct, let it be consistent with what? The good news, the sacrifice. Amen? And of course, and then of course righteousness, but let's skip that one. Right? Okay. All right. Now, there are three things that are necessary for you to come up higher in in your spiritual life and conversation. We're obviously having a conversation, are we? <laughs> you like this conversation? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Three things that are necessary to come up higher in your spiritual life and conversation, Pastor Dad. That would put you in harmony with heaven and with Christ himself. Three things. Peter said in, in Acts chapter 6 verse 4, Peter said, we will devote ourselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. Three things. Number one, devote. Devote ourselves. That's going to, I'll call that surrender. Three things that are necessary for you to come up higher in your conversation, in your thinking, your believing, and speaking. Number one, surrender. You shall devote yourself and to the ministry of prayer. So, the second one is prayer. And to the ministry of the word, the third one is the word. All right. Let's just talk about the surrender part briefly. John the Baptist said something that I, I like. I know sometimes people will say, oh, this is, this is law or legalism, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, I like the spirit of it. Well, John chapter 3, verse 30, John says, I must decrease, but he must what? Increase. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. And to die, say die. Say die like we'll die. Die. Come on, give me an echo to it. <laughs> die. All right. <laughs> for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. 
Paul said, Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. I died with him. And I was buried with him. And it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. Surrender. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15.31, he says, I die daily. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, Paul says, I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that the life of Christ would be made manifest in my body. And verse 11 says, my mortal flesh. Man, that's awesome. Because that tells me there is a way by which I can get Christ's very life to show up in my body. But what is it? I must bear about and identify with the dying of the Lord Jesus. The death, burial, resurrection and all of it. But that process is surrender. Romans chapter 6 verse 11. Reckon yourself dead indeed. But alive unto God. Is that what it says? Okay. Jesus said, I'm just pouring it all out. <laughs> Jesus said, you want to come after me? You want to be where I am? You want to have my life? You want that? Well, let me tell you right now. You cannot be my disciple unless you do this. Deny yourself. Die. Take up your cross. People die on the cross and follow me. All right. Okay, let me go put, put another one in there. <laughs> God said, Psalms 116 verse 15, the father. Listen to the father. Listen to what he says. He says, how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Said I. <laughs> okay. In other words, then now, no, we're not just talking about a funeral. We're not, we, I mean, there is a relevance there. I get it. But he is saying it's precious in his sight when the saints come to this place and reckon themselves to be dead indeed. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. Pastor, that shared it earlier. And when we were receiving the offering, that says, the love of Christ constrains me, it compels me, it moves me, and it brings me to this conclusion, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And so that, verse 15, they which live, that's us, shall no longer live for themselves, but shall live for him that died for them and rose again. Man, man, that's so logical. The only reason why you live is because he died. So now that you live, should you not live for him that died for you that you might live? Makes sense. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> but here is, the, here is it. The bottom line is, the bottom line to this surrender thing is death. Amen? All right, that's a message in itself. But anyway, number two, prayer. Prayer. Oh, let me back up to surrender. You see, when surrender becomes real, it will bring you to the point where whatever he asks of you, I surrender. Whatever you ask of me, I surrender. That's what it will come to. All right, number two, prayer. Waiting on God, fellowshipping with God, living in the consciousness of his indwelling presence. Living in the consciousness of his, of the, of his presence and of his person. That will transform you. That will affect your thinking. Now, this surrender and all, these things affect your believing, your speaking and all of that. It will transform you. That consciousness of his presence. We all with own veiled face beholding as in a, a, a beholding. 
As, uh, no, 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 that one is James 1, 25. <laughs> but then, this is 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, we are transformed and changed by the Spirit of God from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. In other words, then, when you are there, check it out, and you are in this crucible, intimate fellowship and communion with God. In other words, you are living in a place where it's like you and God, who is a consuming fire, are locked up together in a phone booth. <laughs> God, who is a consuming fire, from his loins up to his loins down, you are here, and you and him are in a, a, a phone booth, continually, fellowshipping, hanging out. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that will change you? <laughs> will that transform you? Amen. Well, that's the potential, that's the power of prayer, that of this conscious awareness, waiting on God, being with him, developing in that arena. Matthew 17, verse 2, it says, oh, when Jesus was on the mountain of transfiguration, how his, his face was, his clothes was glistening, and his face was transformed. He was transfigurated, whatever they call it. Isaiah 40, verse 29 to 21 says, look, how, how do you not know the everlasting Father, the everlasting God? He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. He never faints or anything like that. But, and for them that will, young men, they'll faint. They get tired. They get weary. But not, 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 not God. And for them that will wait on the Lord, that's prayer. That will wait on the Lord, be in fellowship with him. They shall renew their strength. Now listen to this. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's not natural. And they shall run and not be weary. How can a human being, how can you run and not be weary? How can you run and not be weary? That's supernatural. And that's what happens to who? They that wait upon the Lord. <laughs> Have you ever seen that, that thing on Facebook where you had these little cats? I don't know if anybody ever seen it. You have these four cats going into the throne room, going into the prayer room, right? And then when the cats come out, they're like these big, massive tigers and lions. <laughs> that's a nice picture. Because that's what happens when we renew our strength. We mount up with wings as eagles. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through the Spirit, we mortify the deeds of the body. Romans 8, verse 13. So living with God, who is that consuming fire, interacting with him, he who is pure and perfect and impeccably pure, and he, all it, it just transforms your prayer. Number, three, number six. Sorry, no number six. Number three. The word of God. And we're going to just zero in on this and then we're going to come in for the landing. The third element is the word of God. And the application of the word of God is to cause you to come up higher in each of the elements of conversation. Acts chapter 20 verse 32, Paul says, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among the saints. The word of God is able to build you up and all of that inheritance that is yours, that is so multidimensional, it is able to deliver it to you. All right? Now, I'm going to do this briefly because for the sake of time. And I'm kind of pondering what I should or what I should just leave it for next week. Okay, let me give you as an abbreviated version as I can for now, okay? But that's not going to be realistic to go into much detail. But anyway, the application of the word of God 
so as to cause your every element of your conversation, thinking, believing, speaking, attitudes, action, so that all of them will come up higher and, 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 as, and by so doing, your spiritual life will come up higher. And then as your spiritual life comes up higher, as you come up higher, here is this door that no man can close that is going to transition you to another level, a higher level. And in the process, God will show you things. There are things that you couldn't see that you could see, that you will see. You know, there's an awesome scripture. You can write this down and check it out. But in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Knowledge is easy to the one with understanding. In other words, when you get understanding and your spiritual eyes begin to become open, that he would open up the eyes of your understanding, is what it says in Ephesians. Without the eyes of your understanding being open, you can forget about the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. I'm serious. That's what the word of God says. That God, Ephesians chapter 1, would, would give us, Paul says, I, um, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of your understanding shall be open. The eyes of your understanding need to be open so that you can operate with the spirit of wisdom, operate in the spirit of revelation. Well, because of that being the case, that is why Proverbs 14 verse 6 says that a man that when you, that knowledge is easy to the one that have understanding. When you have understanding, knowledge comes a lot easier. You don't have to fight and fuss. Yes, it's good to fight and fuss and, you, and it's good to fast, but you don't have to go through all of that. Things will come a lot quicker. Amen? So this is what I'm saying, that as you come up higher, as you come up higher, not only will there be this door that is going to open that will move you into higher levels of intimacy, of higher levels in functionality in the kingdom of God, and, and, and move you into a higher level and, and so on, but on top of that, he says, I'll show you. I'll show you things to come. You're going to start seeing and understanding. And then with that comes what? Here comes a whole lot of other stuff, knowledge, etc. All right. So, briefly, these five areas, and it's really briefly, number one, your thinking and the word. Psalms 19 verse 7 says, the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. In other words, the word of God is perfect to transform and to restore and to renew and to convert your soul, which means your mind, your thinking, your will. And your emotions. Right? Alright, I'm going to skip the rest of that. Let's move right along. And then to the point that um, we could have this mind in us that was also in Christ Jesus. That means you're going to have to feed. Now, I'm just skipping stuff. We're going to come back here next week, okay? But it's going to mean you're going to have to feed on the word. You're going to have to meditate on the word. The battle is in the mind. You're going to have to feed in the word. Job 23 verse 12 says, I treasure the words of, of his mouth more than my necessary food. Next thing you're believing. You're believing in the word. John chapter 6 verse 26 to 28. Jesus said this. Jesus said, yes. Jesus said to his disciples, this was, this was just after they had had the loaves and the fishes and a miracle took place. And I mean, they were searching for Jesus. Oh, oh, Jesus, we didn't see you leave with you and your disciples. But now we found you. I remember the crossover. And, and Jesus says, yeah, sure, sure, sure. You found me, you're celebrating. What are you celebrating about? You're celebrating because you love me so much? You're celebrating because of the, because of the sign? You're celebrating because you got fed. With our loaves and fishes. That's why. 
Because in a little while, you're going to want to crucify me. So don't do it. <laughs> so he said, but, and then so Jesus, I'm paraphrasing the story, okay? <laughs> right? So Jesus said in Luke chapter, in John chapter 6, 26, 28, Jesus says, look here. Don't labor for the food that perishes, that goes in your mouth and then comes out somewhere else. Don't labor for that. Don't labor over, over bread and tea. But he says labor, labor in this, labor for the word of God. And in, and in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 it says, There remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest for the people of God. You see, when you are not resting, you are not trusting. Because he who has entered into his rest has himself ceased from his works. There is a place of rest. There's a place where there is total dependence and confidence in God. When your faith comes to a place of maturity. And so he says that we are to enter into that place. But then hear what he says in verse 11. Hebrews 4.11. He says, let us therefore labor. Be diligent to enter into that rest. And then he tells us how. He said the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What is he saying? He is saying, this is where you need to live. You need to come into this place of rest. You need to come into this place of absolute total trust and, and so on and so forth. You need to come into this place where you're free from anxiety and all of this stuff. And he says, here is how you can get there. You're going to have to labor in the word. Labor in the word. Amen? All right. Leave that alone, moving along. Why? What's for? So that you can believe. So that you can believe. Only believe. So that you can believe. You got to believe before you can have. You got to believe before you get manifestation. Believe you receive it and you shall have it. But you got to believe first. I will sit upon the wall until I can see what he says. Amen. So Jesus says labor in the word. Labor in the word. Labor in the word so you can come to that place. Martha. Yeah, Lazarus has been dead for a while. But don't worry. Don't worry about it. Only believe, and you'll see the glory of God. So we got so the issue of believing. All right. And then number three, your attitude. We need the whole spirit of our minds renewed. It says in Ephesians 4.23. Psalms 19 verse 8. The word of the Lord are, right, are, are, are light, and they are the rejoicing of the heart. Oh, they make the heart happy. Jeremiah 15 verse 16, your words were found and I ate them. I ate them. And they were the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. So there's a joy. There is a, there's an attitude. There's a, there's a dimension wherein you could be affected. In the, even in that emotional realm. And in your attitude by the application of this word of God. Num number four, your talk and your word. It says that the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Letting the word of God take over your speech. We're going to leave that alone. We're going to have to come back to that. And then your walk. We are to walk even as Jesus walked. If we say we are one with him and we abide in him, we are to walk like him. We got to love like him. We got we to gotta be like him. We got to walk in life. Walk in truth. Amen? No. That word of God is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. 
That word of God will affect your thinking, your believing, all of it. So let's conclude here. Back to Deuteronomy 32 verse 47. It's not a waste of time to be so diligent in the word. Why? It is your whole life is dependent on it. So I'm going to close by saying these, these, these things. You got to make some, take some action. What action should you take to the, you got to take some action to develop this, to develop the relationship with the word. That's a good way to put it. In other words, the word, you need to have a relationship with the word. The same way you'd want to have a relationship with your husband or with your wife. You got to have a relationship with your word the same way you would with your parents or with your school teacher. Because the word is to be that way to you. And in order to do that, there's three things you must do. Number one, respect. You're going to have to have a respect and a reverence and, a, and highly esteem the word. The, 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 the Psalms 112 men, he feared the Lord and he delighted greatly in the word of God. Number two, you've got to obey the word. You've got to obey the word. You want the word of God to obey you? Well, you've got to obey the word. That is like that. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask whatever you will. And it shall be done. What is he saying? He says if you obey the word, the word will obey you. But if you don't obey the word, don't expect the word to obey you. Jesus' mother said the same thing. Whatever he said to you, do it. Didn't, he say, didn't she say that? And then number three, you got to spend much time in the word. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 6 says, In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening sow it again. You don't know which is going to profit. Meditate upon the word day and night. Give yourself wholly and completely unto it. Study to show yourself approved. So the point is this. At the end of the day, all of this is going to have to come down to some kind of action. You have to make, you got to literally come up with a plan as to how can I, number one, increase in my word level and apply that word. And a good place to start is, number one, is to, is to go after developing a relationship with the word. Don't let it be some inanimate thing written words written on a page it is alive it's real it's alive it's alive you ever take a fish out of a fishing out, out of a um, aquarium and put it on the countertop what happens what happens if you take a fish out of a bowl it begins to bounce around why it's alive well the word of god is alive develop a relationship with the word of god by respecting it reverencing that word trembling before that word and um Obey that word. Obey that word. Do what it says. And, and then what else? Because when you obey the word, you will build it into your life. And then also to spend much time in the word. And you got to plan it. It's not going to just happen. It doesn't just happen. No one wins the Olympics by accident. <laughs> they did a lot of training. They did a lot of practicing and so on. You do not come to the place of mastery in any area without diligence. So, Father, I pray right now for every single one underneath the song of my voice. I pray, oh, Father, that you would grant unto them a spirit of discipline and diligence and wisdom to charter a plan as to how they are going to develop this relationship with the word and how they're going to apply the word so that they can come up higher and that their thinking, their believing, their speaking, their attitudes and their actions could become in harmony with that word, in harmony with who they are in Christ, in harmony with the reality of the sacrifice, the price that has been paid for them. Father, I pray, O oh God, that you would grant them such grace in the name of Jesus that they would be diligent to make their calling 
and their election sure in Jesus' name. Father, I give you thanks and praise and glory and honor for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to back up next week, and we're going to double back and complete some of this. Amen? Praise the Lord. So this word, you can go, if you want to listen to it again, to uh, our YouTube channel, TLMHCA, and you can go over it if you want to go more and more. And if you got blessed by it, make sure you share it. Tell somebody about it or to get it also. A few remi reminders. Uh, we have Bible study Monday and t uh, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, on Zoom at 7 p.m. You are welcome to join us where you can have the word and then get the chance to answer, uh, to ask your questions. And you can go to tlmh.ca uh, forward slash live. And there, there's a button for Tuesday, button for Wednesday, and you will be uh, joining us. And before also we go, I need to remind you. When it says in the word of God that when you give a cup of water to someone, you as if you did it to Jesus. If you visit somebody in the hospitals, you did it for Jesus. What I'm asking you is because of you're going all around, God take you places and he has people for your life to, to bring them in. Always be equipped. I ha we have it free there. Grab a few of them, hand it to someone. When you hand it, you have it, you're handing them the word. And it will not return void. You might be in a rush. Like when you go somebody, uh, so when you go on the street and... Uh, you evangelize and you give a cup, uh, a bottle of water, but you don't wait for them to drink it. So this is in a similar way. If you are going and the Lord draw you, give it to them. God will take care of the rest because it's his word and you watch over it, perform it. It says you are loved. Okay, so people might open it. Some people, we saw people throw it in the garbage. That's okay. But be do your part and let God do his part. Reach someone with the gospel by handing it out. Just I will encourage you, do one, two, whatever your heart lead you, but be equipped always with something with you. You're not always available to maybe in a rush to talk to anybody sometimes. Sometimes you can, but this is always in the bus, on the road. You can say, I, feel, I need to give you that. Here it is. Many people say thank you. You know what I mean? Father, we thank you for the word that went forth today. Thank you for graving it on our hearts we can observe to do it. Thank you for your riches of your love toward humanity that you give us the honor and the privilege of serving you. We got to serve you. We choose to serve you. You are our life, and we are with you in this harvest, Lord Jesus. You said in the word to pray for the Lord of harvest to send laborers. Here we are, Lord. We go in your name to bless you and honor you and see many of our family who is not home yet to come back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay strong, stay blessed. Hallelujah.